0: Welcome to the GBC Big Three podcast, a weekly podcast where we sit down and unpack three big questions raised from our Sunday sermon. I'm your host, Matt Willis, and joining me this week as co-host of the Big Three is ventriloquist extraordinaire, Roxanne Lawler. Hello, everybody. Hello, Matt. You've been um, partnering up with a puppet each Sunday Uh and producing some great material for the kids in our services. I've got to ask, how many puppet personas do you actually have? Have there any.
1: are many, man. <laughs> it's like a whole split personality thing going on. <laughs> it's like a mental illness, but it's
0: functioning. It's, it's
1: <laughs> <weird>. yeah, <laughs> highly functioning. Yeah, uh, no, I, I do have some more in the tank. Oh really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought
0: we tapped out because mm-hmm. we met. We're about to meet a new one this week. Is uh, it?
1: We met one last week. Oh, okay, we met okay. Chester last week. Chester last week. Um, but I'm actually not doing the kids' uh, talk this coming Sunday. <gasps> We have a guest. Oi! I know.
0: Ooh, intrigue. Ooh. Tune in Ooh, for that. I know. Well, I'm a huge fan of the sassy Scotsman, so <laughs> you know everyone's got a favourite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, back at the pulpit after preaching a cracker of a sermon on Sunday's Mark reader, Rader, we're halfway through, or give or take, halfway through the book of Hebrews now. What's your reflection so far in how the series is unfolding?
2: Yeah, like, I, I, I think that um, when, whenever I've kind of, you, you set a, a sermon series, and you kind of, you, you trust that God's in it, you know, when you're planning it out, and, uh, and, I, and I feel that, you know, each week as we're um, kind of unpacking what the author has to say, I think there's some real uh, relevance mm. for us as a community of faith. You know, the circumstances are quite different. The reasons and the rationale why we might be tempted to drift away might be... Might be quite different, but yeah. I think that the relevance of it is is quite prominent. Mm. Uh, and so, yeah, I, like I, I feel like it's it's going well. I think you know whenever whenever you get to preach tough passages, I think that's good fun too. So you know, mm. I think people are learning and growing and being challenged and encouraged to continue to really hold on to what's so central in their faith. Mm. Mm.
0: Great. Well, this week, Mark gave a warning out of the Book of Hebrews as a part of our series titled Anchor. And you can listen to that message again through our regular GBC Sermons podcast. But today, as always, we'll be unpacking three big questions submitted through Slido during our Sunday services. So, Rocks Radar, let's get into the big three. All right. Now, as we opened up Sunday's passage, the first half of it at the tail end of chapter five, Um, really the author lays it into the audience. And you spoke about this, Raider. It was like, it was a shame smackdown. He was calling them out for ultimately still being Infants in their faith. You know, you're drinking milk when you should be eating solids. You're stuck in these elementary teachings when you should be moving towards things that create maturity in your faith. And so there's this real sense of progression in faith that we should be moving away from um, the early uh, lessons um, and moving towards deeper um, growth in our faith. But I've got to admit, the question that was immediately raised for me was, well, what constitutes milk and what constitutes the food? Like, what are the things that are elementary and what are the things, the spiritual practices, the spiritual lessons, those moments that will actually lead me into greater maturity in our faith? And that is, in a nutshell, exactly what question one is. What is the difference between elementary teachings and that which will take us towards maturity? Raider, I'll start with you
2: yeah I mean, the author the author i mean goes on to then in chapter six say let's leave behind the elementary teachings mm. and he lists a whole bunch of stuff and yep. some of them i think some of those things we would go yeah that sounds elementary like um you know uh, laying on of hands perhaps and you know the resurrection from the dead and but there's some other things in there that that we wouldn't say are necessarily elemental for us like mm. cleansing rites mm. uh, like that's something that you know we wouldn't in terms of like early discipleship stages i don't think we'd start there you know i've just become a christian well let me explain cleansing rites to you <laughs> <Yeah>. so <laughs> I, I think what that indicates for us is that the what is elementary while I wouldn't say it, ch- it changes radically I think there there are some differences in various ages and stages and mm. where people are up to so I think that that that'd be kind of my first kind of not cover all statement but kind of a <laughs> kind of do address the text because yeah. he does give a gives us a handful of things uh, and I think that then there's there's probably I mean there'd be a handful of things that You know, are the things that you need to know to come to faith. Those Mm. would strike me as being elementary. So, having some sort of understanding of 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 our sinfulness, uh, having some understanding of who Jesus is in terms of his humanity and his divinity, uh, what his death has accomplished for us, the hope we have in the resurrection. But I think that when when I think about the distinction between you know milk. And solid food or elementary teachings and deeper teachings. Mm. I think it, it probably has to do with levels of complexity rather than anything else. Like it's not like you ever really get away from the resurrection. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. And I guess that's something that
0: <coughs> that was flagged for me. I'm like, you know, we do communion every however totally. many weeks totally. because it's important to go yeah. back to that. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, the way the author speaks about it, it's like you
2: shouldn't. I don't know. Like, well, that's milk. I'm drinking well, yeah. the milk. Well, I think I I think the what the author's kind of getting at though as well is like it, it's about the um it's about being re- needed to be reminded about those elementary teachings, mm. right? You yeah. know, so if someone yeah, you know, like if you if you have someone join a workforce and you kind of go over the basics of their task, and then the next week you have to go over the basics basics of the task again, and then mm. the next week you have to go over the basics of the task again. Like you're going to get to the point where you're kind of going, "Are you listening?" Like, yeah. like is or is this job beyond you? Because I keep having to go over the basics again. Mm. Now you think about you know, athletes, you know, like um, even high-level athletes do drills that are returning to the basics, but they do that to keep their skills sharp so that they can work on more complex things. Yeah. And so I think for us as as believers, I think the same principle applies. Mm. Like if I always have to remind you about, you know, the impact of sin, if I always have to come back and say, no, Jesus died for you and you don't have to work for your salvation. Like if I'm always returning to the same things and we're never really kind of moving beyond them, I think that's what the author's getting at. Yeah. So I'm not sure that there's kind of a, a biblical distinction between, well, these are elementary teachings, kind of the basics, and, and this is these are the deeper truths. Mm. I think there's actually some danger in that, you know, the sense that, well, I know the deeper truths and you don't. Yeah. But I think that there's a, you know, when I think about things like you know, the word, you know, the word of god. You know, there's there's a, a kind of an initial understanding of the word and and what it means, and then you can kind of go deeper and deal with the complexity of yeah. the word. I think when you think about things like prayer. Mm. You know, prayer is, you know, it's pretty simple, speaking to god. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. But you know, as you as as you think about prayer and as yeah. you pray more frequently, it's like, oh, I think there might be more to it than just yeah talking to God, and while that's a really good basic definition of it. So, like, I think it has to do with complexity. I think it has to do with dealing with ambiguity. Mm. I think it has to do with being able to defend or kind of give a rationale and a reason for what it is that we believe and hold to and why it's important Mm. for us. I think it has to do with the connection between um, what we know and what we live, yeah, like I think that's where you that's where you see some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Does has this stuff really really sunk in? Well, I, I should see it in your life. Yeah, and that's that's true, and you know I think in lots of places. So mm. I think it's almost outcome based. Mm. Like, are you able to deal with ambiguity? Are you able to deal with pushback? Um, are you able to deal with complexity? Um, are you able to explain and, and you know begin to teach? Yeah. right? you know to be able to say, well, this is what we're doing, and I think it's those outcomes that are indicative. Mm of having grasped or started to grapple with deeper teachings rather than some sort of dichotomy of, oh, well, those are basic truths and these are really significant Yeah,
0: ones. And I think what was helpful out of that for me was that whole idea of there's a difference between being reminded and reflecting on. I think yeah. if you need to be reminded, it's the whole, we're going over this lesson again, whereas going back to reflect allows opportunity to go even deeper, which, yeah, seems... yeah. Yeah. Seems biblical, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Roxanne. Right. Where where are you at with this? What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I'm um, just going to pick up um, on something Mark talked about the sort of application part of that. Um, that's kind of what I was thinking out of this one. It's mm. like. Um, milk for me is is foundational. It's the basic, um, the the ground that you. Um, so if you if you're building a house, you don't just build the foundation and that's it. You're done. Mm. You build on top of that foundation, and that's what you live in. Mm. And so our Christian walk, when we become um, a follower of Jesus, the foundation is our, our salvation, and then we build on top of that, mm. um, and and we create this um, this life that that is is a um, something that is. is beautiful and um giving and and loving to those around us and it um it it becomes a place where we can welcome people into that that life that we have um and share jesus with them so um there's a bit of a different metaphor to the the meal metaphor but it kind of reminded me when jesus in 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 matthew talks about um the you know the the old parable with the um if you build your house on the rock versus the house on the sand i read that fairly recently and i was really struck because he says anyone who um listens to my words and puts them into practice mm. is like someone who builds their house on the the rock, that, that foundation. And, and I never really picked up that part about listens to my words and puts them into practice. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, listen to the words, build on the rock, <laughs> move on. Uh, no, it's actually, there's an in- as an enacting that we need to do, yeah. we need to stand on our 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 foundation in Christ. We need to to drink the milk, make that the the base of our food, and and mm. then the next, you mm. know, like um, what are we going to grow into? So there's that that sense of it's got to be enacted, lived out, yeah, um, used.
0: Mm. Yeah. And it seems like maybe that was the that was the piece that was missing for this community of believers from the author's perspective was if I have to keep reminding you like I well I know that I have to keep reminding you because I'm not seeing it like it's not happening and that's going to cause you to drift away Mm. yeah yeah Yeah. awesome well let's move on to question two So the second part of Sunday's passage, which, as you said, Mark, was kind of found in the beginning of chapter six, picks up on this imagery that we find a number of times throughout scriptures. And and Jesus was a fiend for it. He loved this kind of imagery, which was that kind of agricultural language. You know, you've got to farm the crop, you, you reap what you sow, you're bringing in a harvest that is fruitful and bountiful. And even though we don't Live in a farming context anymore. As as believers, we understand this imagery as you know an invitation that our lives have the opportunity to bear fruit that is either um, uh, an offering towards God and, and good for God, or or not. And and again, this the author is kind of using this as the warning. He you know he says you know you can either have a have a life that. That God can use, or, and He uses pretty heavy language, or it's worthless. But so we understand that there's an invitation there and there's an opportunity there, but what does that look like? What does it look like for us to have a life where the fruit is one that God can use? And that's what question two is all about. How do we ensure that the crop of our lives reaps something that is useful to God
2: and not something that is worthless? mm yeah, I mean, I think you're right. It's a, it's a great, it's one of the great biblical metaphors, mm. right? Um, and as you said, Jesus uses it quite extensively. Uh, and so and, and so there's some value for us to think a little bit about mm. it. I think <clears throat> one of the problems for us, not only did we we, did, we don't really live in an agricultural society, so we don't, I mean, we know that stuff grows, but outside of that, <laughs> you know. you got to water it. Yeah, apparently. Apparently. Oh, that might be the problem <laughs> that's with my garden my dead. <laughs> yeah, That's right. <laughs> that explains succulents. everything. <laughs> <dead>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no judgment here. Yeah, um, uh, but but I think then that part of the the question then part of part of the exploration of the of the analogy the metaphor is mm. so what do you what's a useful crop mm. like what's a useful crop and I think that there's I mean I think there's two ways you can look at it right I think on the one hand there's kind of the usefulness for the one who has planted it yeah. to be able to turn a profit mm-hmm. right uh, and so you, you need a crop that is of benefit to the purposes of the of the one who's planted it right? mm. and so I think one of the questions that we can then ask, I think you know pardon the pun, but quite fruitfully is <laughs> uh, is what are the things that are what are what are the sorts of things in my life that would be useful for God to achieve his purposes in the world mm. And that becomes my focus, right? So the the whole idea of, of and, and even asking ourselves, you know, like if I'm more patient, how does that serve the purposes and, and plans of mm. God? It's not just that it all oh, makes me more patient and, you know, my kids and my wife and the dog benefit from that, right? It's it's actually that the kingdom of God benefits from that. And yeah. so I think asking ourselves, you know, in our lives, um, what are the things that God wants to achieve and, 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 and where can we... Kind of, mm. kind of find, um, uh, where, where can we be contributing to that? So mm. I think that's one component of it. Uh, and, I, you know, I think, I mean, God can use just about anything that that's growing in our lives that's mm. part of the kingdom of God. But um, I think that's a beneficial way to think about it. But I think the other really significant piece of fruitfulness is the importance of multiplication. Yeah, Like, I don't think that's necessarily what the author has in mind mm. in this context because he's talking about, you know, again, it's the link of... What you uh, have learned with your actions, right? Yeah. And so if your actions aren't giving any indication that there's anything good planted, then well, then you're useless, it's useless. we need to start again. yeah, but I think that that idea of uh, fruitfulness and multiplication is quite critical. Mm. so if we're going to be of you know, again, kind of dangerous theological language, but of value to God, yeah um, in terms of the fruitfulness of our life, then then I think that multiplication of mm. God's work in our life in other places mm. is actually a pretty key part of it you know and so you think about discipleship not as just what i've learned but what i'm also able to pass on which kind of comes back to what we were talking about in relationship to that whole you know the the elementary and deeper teaching you know, like Yeah. like at some point you should be able to pass that stuff on to somebody else mm. and a demonstration of your grasp of elementary things is your capacity to be able to pass those on to others Yeah. Uh, and so i think that, that that multiplication component is pretty critical mm. in that too
0: And I think what's interesting about both those ideas is I'm reminded about, you know, something that we talk about quite regularly here at GBC, which is, you know, where have you seen God at work? Where's the invitation? And... uh, we don't do that just because for the warm and fuzzies. Like we don't do that just because. Oh, that's so encouraging! And how great is it that that person has this story that we can share? We do it because we actually need to know and and be able to identify what God is doing in our lives, so that we can participate. Hmm. Um, and and so we actually need a. When we say where's God at work in your life, it's because we want to we want to learn as believers to identify that, so that we can take up those opportunities, mm. so that we can be useful to God, so mm. that you know what is what He's doing in our life can then impact the work that that He's doing in others'
2: lives. Yeah. And I think when we disconnect our righteousness from the kingdom purposes mm. we end up with self-righteousness mm-hmm. and legalism yeah like I think that's where those things grow yeah right when um, when the things that I'm doing that are good are disconnected from kingdom outcomes yeah then I just become interested in my checklist to kind of go well mm. do you measure up to my checklist yes 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 no no yes yes no no okay we can be friends because the majority are fine you know <laughs> you passed. Rocks. you know, you know you what passed. I'm saying you know yeah. or you know, as opposed no well, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was about to be like, <laughs> No, 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 <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> Fail. You can work for me. Uh, no, um, uh, uh, but, but I think that you know, self-righteousness is the same, right? Mm. Where my righteousness is disconnected yeah. from God's kingdom purposes. And yeah. so it just becomes my righteousness mm. for my purposes. And usually what we end up using my righteousness for is increased influence, power over mm. others, a sense of pride and the mm-hmm. fact that I'm better than or superior to mm. or more advanced than or more mature. So I think the kingdom, like as, you, as you're saying, like the, the connection to the kingdom outcomes are like they're critical for yeah. a healthy righteousness, for a healthy spirituality, mm. for a healthy discipleship.
0: Yeah. yeah. And so I guess on the other side of that, like that kind of points to what a, seemingly worthless crop would look like. Because if it is just for our own gain, you know, we can look the part, but, you know, it's not really it's not really doing much. Yeah. Yeah. I
1: feel like you're describing every single internet chat comment section that I've ever read. <laughs> uh, when you're talking about that, because that's the example that came to mind for me is um, when, when Christians get online and they argue, you know, points of doctrine and theology and uh, in, in, in such a way that, that God's left... He's left the chat, right? You know, he's logged out. Um, And and it's all a game of, you know, what do I know? What can I prove to you? Arguing Mm. my point. Um, And that's, to me, quite fruitless Mm. because there's no grace. There's no patience. There's no, um, you know, willing to, you know, extend the olive branch and and meet somebody. It's all just let me tell you what I know Mm. and why you're wrong. Um, And so, I just think, "Eh, you know, are you really bearing fruit in this situation.
2: Yeah. Awesome. Hmm. I, I think the, the, the language of, you know, what's valuable to God is, is quite helpful. I think, mm-hmm. you know, like, and that's a good example, rocks. particularly because it's it's got the complexity to it mm-hmm. of, you know, doctrine's important. Mm. You yeah. know, there's a point where what we believe, yeah. well, I mean, what we believe shapes our behaviors and so mm. it is important mm. stuff, but how do you... How do you engage in that in a fruitful yeah. way mm. rather yeah. than a fruitless way? And yeah. I, you know, I think the chat. I mean, I don't really read the comment section because I get depressed too quickly. But um, <laughs> you know, uh, you and God oh, f- are off. Dark hole, let me tell you. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it is. Yeah, sure
1: it not a lot of grace there, you mm. know. No, yeah. no, no, yeah. No, no,
2: no, no. Which yeah. is, you know,
1: you know, there's not a lot of fruit Leading of the spirit, you know, that's as true. in the, the yeah. joy, peace, patience, kindness, uh, the, goodness.
2: Yeah. <laughs> the joys of social media. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And being anonymous. Yeah, <laughs> that's right.
0: Anyway, all right. Well, let's move on to question three. <laughs> now, ultimately, when we look at Sunday's passage as a whole, like so many passages in Hebrews, it is a stark. Warning, um, a warning against drifting away, and and one of the things that the author does is kind of pinpoints the believer who has fallen away, and uses some pretty um, confronting language, saying it's impossible for them to return. But and and you you address that in your message on Sunday. I found that super helpful. You know, we can't just take one passage to paint a picture of who God is and his character. We need to take a step back and look at Scripture as a whole. And and when we do that, we see that God is a God of love and grace and that anyone who has a genuine heart for repentance and relationship that God will welcome in. But I guess this passage is still kind of calling out this idea of, you know, you shouldn't need to be reminded about these elementary teachings anymore. You should be kind of progressing in your faith, going into the deeper things. And I guess the tension in that space is, you know, as a church, we also talk about what's your next faithful step and, and being on a journey of faith. Mm-hmm. And that there are moments in faith where we kind of take a few steps back or even a few more steps back and, and need to be reminded of those elementary teachings and that's where our third and final question kind of rests um, what does this warning mean for those who are genuinely wrestling with faith and even starting to doubt faith
2: mm. Yeah, I think there's a couple of I think a couple of responses kind of off the top of my head in in mm. that space. Um, one of them, you know, as I reflected on from the work of David de Silva um, uh, in his commentary on Hebrews, I think there's a really significant um, cultural component to, mm. to his warning, um, picking up the language of the patrons and benefactors and, uh, and really kind of leaning into the honor shame piece. Yep. Right. So he goes really hard at him mm. in that opening section to kind of go like, I'm ashamed that I have to cover this stuff again. Yeah. He does kind of do the bad cop, good cop piece. Cause he's like, I'm sure you'll do better. <laughs> right. You know, uh, and then picks up that language, which I think explains the impossibility piece. And I just I, I kind of reiterate that because I think that there is a there's a cultural appropriateness to how we engage with people who are drifting away, yeah right um, so sh- i'm not sure shame would work for us anymore, right no right? If,
0: well, if anything when when the church takes that approach. Yep it pushes them out the door even faster yeah. doesn't it
2: yeah and and the same would go i think with fear mm. like the author is not hesitant to kind of go we should be afraid mm. like if you face god without jesus in your corner like good night yeah you know and so i think that there's a real element of that and i think we have to ask ourselves so what's what's a culturally appropriate way to warn people yeah right? I think that becomes a fairly important piece of it and so I don't think the whole fire and brimstone approach works particularly well surprisingly surprisingly <laughs> um, I think it may have worked in that context mm. it doesn't work as well now I'm not sure shame works mm. but if we kind of take fear and shame out okay now what do we do mm. right and so I think we have to I think we have to grapple with that a little bit because yeah. we don't want to say it doesn't matter right yeah or it's too hard to convince you so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna play softly softly mm. So I think we, we have to figure out what, what's a good way to engage with that. And, and I think one of the things you know, one of the key words I think in that question for me was is genuinely wrestling with faith. Mm. Uh, and even if they're you know even as there's, even if people are genuinely wrestling, I think there's a couple of things to do. I think one we need to be able to affirm that and kind of say and we've talked about this before in the yeah. podcast, you know, that there's a there's a, there's a place for genuine struggle yeah right faith is not this consistent flat line. Mm. There are times and experiences that we have where it's either you know easier or harder and yeah. so I think we need to be able to affirm that the struggle is not sinful mm. um that engaging with the questions is not um is not necessarily problematic mm. uh, but I think the other kind of piece within it is to really is to really kind of challenge people to. I guess to, to give reasons and rationale for why they believe mm-hmm. and to almost, to, to almost encourage people to say, like, prove to me this is true. Because so often what, we're encounter, what we, we encounter in our wider culture is apparent proof that it's wrong yeah. or that it's inconsistent or that's illogical or it's irrelevant or mm. whatever it might be. And so we can end up kind of being led by that. And it's almost like we need to ask the opposite question. You know, you know, Matt, you're genuinely struggling with faith. That's part of the Christian experience. Mm. Tell me why why did you place your faith in Jesus? Mm. You know, like ask you to kind of find the positives yeah. rather than defend the negatives. And I think that might be a, a way forward. Um I think you know people really enjoy and value um self-learning mm. and so I think being able to provide resources for people that um that that um you know, that demonstrate a faithful struggle. Yeah. You know, it's where some of the stuff on the Internet isn't particularly helpful, right? Because <laughs> yeah. it's black or it's yeah, white. <laughs> you know, whereas there's some really helpful resources, and some of them would be on the Internet, yeah. hmm. you know, where people just kind of go, look, at here, here, here are the issues, here's my defense mm. of it. You know, that kind of apologetic stuff. It's yeah. like we need to probably return a bit to a, a kind of a, a non-bombastic Apologetic, yeah, you know, because I think often we have apologetics for those who aren't believers, right? So mm. we defend the faith to the atheists. We probably need to develop uh, an apologetic for believers. Mm you know you're starting to drift away to, what's the nature of that yeah is it the problem of good and evil like the yeah. fact that the good things happen the so good things happen to bad people and vice versa mm. is, is it you know the lack of evidence of fruitfulness in your life yeah. like what what's going on and let's have a let's let's defend that let's strengthen that let's mm. reinforce those things and and help people kind of come to some positive answers yeah. around that so I, that'd be probably where i'd probably kind of land with it. yeah and i love that idea of
0: you know Let's reflect back on the reasons why you first came to faith. Yeah. What I've seen pretty consistently through the book of Hebrews in this series is like the author's got this one-two attack, right? He's mm-hmm. like, Let's, let me remind you of all the good that comes from Jesus, like things that are far better than anything else this world can offer. <laughs> and then he comes in and goes, and you're drifting away. Why are you doing that? Like, stop it. <laughs> yeah. Like, And and I think you're right. Like in our culture, we can't take the fearful, shameful approach. It doesn't work. Mm. But I think, you know, when we relate it to the heart and mm. kind of go, but let's remember the good. Mm. And And I know in my own life, like those have been it's been those reflections that have drawn me back. Like, yeah, faith is tough. Like Mm. I've had moments where I'm, where I've really viewed my faith as a cage that has stopped me from doing what I want to do. Mm. But I'm like, but I just can't deny the goodness of God, my experiences of him, the grace that I've experienced, the love that I've experienced. And that's been the piece that's, drawn me back in those
2: really hard and, times. And I think then the, the warning element mm. is a matter of almost getting you to reflect on what do, what, what do you lose out on? Mm. Like, what difference has faith made yeah. in your life? Yeah. You know, and that's what you're, you're going to walk mm. away from that? Yeah. Uh, and I think those things can be pretty valuable. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Rox, what are your reflections
2: on yeah, this? It's, I
1: a, think it's a big question. It's a massive question, <laughs> isn't it? Um, there's no denying the power of a transformed life. Mm. Um, I think when you've seen people who've come to faith um, and they've had their whole, um, not their personality changed, but their personality has blossomed mm. and you know they can see the Spirit at work in their mm. life and um, they've got a peace that they've never experienced before and God's m- doing a whole bunch of mopping up from their mm. past and, and they're living um, with, with hope and with joy. You know, that is significant. Yeah. You can't take away... Um, the, the power of that, mm. um, you know that that testimony. You know, that part, I'm just thinking of that part in Revelation when it talks about uh, the saints. You know, the the power of the blood and the testimony. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, scripture. It's You'll biblical. To, it's, 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 it's in, it's in there, the Bible. Just trust us. Just go with it. <laughs> the <with> back <laughs> Right, us. Or mop it up yeah. for on me, um, trust <laughs> <laughs> We'll fix it in post. Um, yeah, so, so that, the power of a transformed life is, is mm. so significant. And I um, just want to place some, some weight on that. Yeah. And, um, and I know for me, when I've had doubts in, in my life, um, I've, I've come to that sort of Hebrews conclusion that, mm. um, that Jesus is better. Yeah. That, you know, I could, you, you could walk away from the church, you could walk away from God, you could walk away from anything, but, but there is nothing on this earth that I would be walking to which is better than Jesus? Mm. You know what I have in in Christ mm. um, when I live um, with with God as my Lord and my Savior and 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 the, all the, the spiritual blessings that come from that. Yeah. Nothing's better than that. Mm. Nothing is more important mm. than than having you know the hope of glory, Christ in me, yeah. um, and having Him transform my life and and through through me transform. Those around me, I mean, that's powerful. Yep. That's uh, that's gold. That's good. I don't want to be living um, any other way. And so, I, I think we shouldn't be afraid of talking about Jesus um, to our non-Christian friends. We shouldn't be afraid of um, living out loud, you know, mm. being a little bit more transparent in our faith as mm. well as Christians. Um yeah, do the hard work of um, the apologetics, but also to be a little bit more invitational. You know, welcome to my life. This is, yeah. this is me. This is me living with Christ and there's nothing better. Mm. That's good.
2: Yeah. And I, I think that that leads, I think, in my mind to another kind of strategy to help people you know, who are drifting away. Mm. And, I mean, I, I don't know very many Latin phrases, but my favorite, because I think it's the only one I can <gasps> remember. And only. Yes. Oh, is I know sure. this one. Yeah. Hey. Solvator ambulando. It is solved, solved by walking. By walking. Mm. And and And, and, and yeah. what that points to is, you know, it's kind of proverbial really in nature, but sometimes the best way to figure something out is to do it. Mm. You know, I think often we can end up trying to figure stuff out in our heads. Yeah. Mm. You know, and so we start trying to figure out the answers in our heads. And it's like, we need to say to people, you know, it's solved by walking. Mm. So, So, So why don't you just put Jesus' words into practice? Mm. Like just really consciously for the next month, two months, really super consciously put it into practice. Actually live out what you're claiming. And and don't just think about it. Like live it out. Mm. Uh, and, And that will then put the challenges of the gospel to the test mm. in their lives and that's a really that's a really powerful example not mm. only of you know seeing someone else's life transformed and yeah. thinking wow yeah. look what's happened in ross's yeah. yeah. life yeah. jesus must be real but it yeah. suddenly places it in wow yeah. like jesus yeah. doing something in my life that's yeah. wow okay yeah. you can't
1: <laughs> deny that that's
2: you know didn't didn't see that coming yeah. you know so like mm. but that that can be a really powerful Encouragement for people as yeah. well, which, again, affirms that what we believe is true, mm. right? And let's put it to the test. You know, like if some product says this is the best product at doing whatever the product does, well, the only way to really figure it out is put it to the test. Yeah. So... And normally they're not as good as they say. Just FYI. That's that's where Jesus I tried Sham Wow once and it did not clean my shower the way it was promised.
0: It was very disappointing
2: (laughs) It's because you didn't have the team that came in and cleaned it between the tap. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. exactly. I knew
0: I was missing something. Very, very
2: little in the bottle. But I think, yeah, that's where Jesus, of course. You know, you'd like to think he'd be able to up, to, he'd be up to the task. <laughs> <laughs> he'd be able to clean my showers. Sp- spiritual <laughs> <You wouldn't> cleaning. <laughs> There's a metaphor there. The <laughs> yeah, spiritually, spiritually <laughs> yeah. 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 Jesus I'm I'm cleans terrified. our Speaking sins of, away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of <laughs> elementary teachers, yeah. of cleansing yeah. rites. Yeah. Yes.
1: Might find that in the. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah.
2: And we've come full circle. We've come beautiful beautiful thing. Thing. <laughs> I think
1: we're going to take that for the kids ministry, though. Jesus, the shamwow that
0: works. We'll clean it up. A new puppet idea. That's for sure. Yeah. I feel like I'm going to wrap this up before we really go somewhere. Before somewhere. Right. Take us on, man. <laughs> Let's land this shit. Well, thank you so much, Rox, and Mark. Loved hearing your reflections. They're big questions there. You know, Hebrews is definitely raising some big challenges for us, um, but so, so essential for us to be reflecting on on the goodness of Jesus. I love that. And I think if if we're going to land somewhere good today, it is there. That if whether we're someone within our community who is struggling and doubting or we know someone that to to bring them back to or to come back to Mm. the goodness of jesus that first caught our eye and took our heart um that is that is the goodness of god's grace i think great thanks so much If you want to be a part of the conversation, make sure that you tune in to our services this Sunday at gbconline.org.au and that you snap the Slido QR code before the sermon to get involved. Just a reminder, if you're listening to the podcast, we now film The Big Three and it goes to air on Wednesday nights at 7pm at GBC Online. If you've enjoyed The Big Three podcast today, be sure to give us a star rating and subscribe so that you can stay up to date with all future episodes. Thanks for joining us for this week's Big Three and our deep dive into God's invitation for us all. Remember, there's no thought too small, no question too big.